Well, dear church family, this Lord's Day, our concentration will be on the precious words of God in Hebrews 6, 19, concerning the hope of all God's children, all those who are God's elect, or who will be brought in to God's kingdom, all the saved children of God. And, of course, the apostle here has in mind to encourage God's children, God's people, to persevere in the gospel, in the hope which their, their salvation is grounded in, in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and for nothing to remove that sure and steadfast hope which is anchored in the gospel. And friends, we live in such days, do we not, where the vast majority of our nation really are living without any hope nowadays. Or they're living really in, in a vain hope, a worldly hope. And how bleak and how dark this, this land, this world must seem if you don't know the love of the Saviour in your hearts. And perhaps we can recall the time where, when we were without Christ and how dark and how fearful uh, this world must seem if you do not know the love of the Lord reigning in your hearts. According to Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, hope is a desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or a belief that it is that it is obtainable, that it is obtainable. Well, like I said, many people now are losing hope within our culture today. When you lose hope, often you lose the will to live. And so often people put their hope in making this, this, this world some grand utopia. And there's so many things that come in to disappoint uh, plans, worldly dreams and schemes, as it were. But really, when it, what it comes down to is there are, are only really two types of hope we see in the scriptures. There's only two types of hope. Firstly, there's a worldly hope, and, uh, which was really an earthly hope, which dreams and lives in expectation of man's promises. Really, in Hollywood Ideals and man's promises in a hope in the creature, a hope in this world, and not in the creator. And such, dear friends, is a vain hope. Such is a temporary, fleeting hope. And such, we know, is the natural man's hope. And this was me. I'm not pointing the finger. This was me for many, many years. Uh, just living for the creature. I just My hope really was earthbound. My main primary hope was just in the things of this world. And that's how many, many people are living today. And then there is, secondly, a heavenly hope, which is anchored, and we see this in our text today, in verse 19, which is anchored in the soul of every believer of Christ. And in God's immutable, God's never-changing promise of salvation. 
and of course his covenant of grace concerning the Saviour. Martin Luther once said, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. And how true that is, isn't it? What you hope in therefore to obtain really is a good indicator of where you are, spiritually speaking. You see, many people, they seek to obtain this world's good. They, they are obsessed with living for the here and that now. What you give your heart for, what you hope in, really in this life is a good indicator of where you are, spiritually speaking. The man, woman or child who forgets their maker and lives a life away from God, a, a conscience-defiled life, away from God in their sins, as it were, says within themselves, remember, like the parable of the rich man, soul, I have built up things for many years, I have much goods for many years, uh, eat, drink, and be merry, take, take thine ease, as it, as it were. And what did the Lord say? This night thy soul will be required of thee. And so the man, woman, or child who forgets their maker and lives away from God, as it were, in just living for the here and now with a defiled conscience, says, if I could but just obtain such a such a thing, such a worldly dream, such a worldly hope, if I could obtain such a thing, I'll, I would be happy. I'll be happy. But we know, do we not, dear friends, that we're, we're made for God. We're, we're made for a divine purpose. We're made to have a relationship with our maker, these souls we have, as described in our text today, as a ship. These souls, dear friends, God has made the ship of our soul for himself, for eternity. And a ship, a ship is made at great cost, isn't it? God has made us for himself. And he wants us to himself. And if we do not know, dear friends, our maker... And the salvation he has provided for us, there will always be an emptiness there. there will, and we'll never, try, we'll never fill it with the things of this life. There will always be a void and an emptiness there. You know, if you read Job chapter 31 very carefully, Job catalogues, does he not, the, the worldling's hope. Because he is wrongly accused by those lousy comforters, isn't he? of hiding some sin, of, of really just living for the here and now. His, his lousy friends accuse him of this. And if you read that passage very carefully, he catalogues, well, if I have done this, if I have given my heart to such and such a thing, well, then God's wrath upon me is just. And he says in particular in Job 31, 24 and 25, if I have made gold my hope, or have said to, to the fine gold, thou art my confidence. If I have rejoiced because my wealth was great and because mine hand have gotten much. So he's saying, if I have made really the things of this world my strength, 
my confidence, the things that I've got with my own hands, with my own talents, with my own gift, these worldly things, my wealth, my possessions, if I have made these things my strength, really, then God's, uh, God's uh, 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 wrath is just upon me. Of course he didn't. And we know that because uh, we know that in one day, he, he lost everything, didn't he? In one tragic day, he lost his children, his ten children. He lost his estate, pretty much. So many of his employees, thousands of cattle. He was the, one of the richest people in the Middle East, and he lost it all. And he proved, really, what his hope was. His hope was in his Redeemer. And, and remember that, that that word redeemer is very telling of Job because he was so rich. He had everything, and he, but he saw himself as poor, as a poor, needy sinner that is in need of being redeemed, of need, is need of, of debt being paid. His hope was all bound up, you see, in the gospel, bound up in Christ his saviour, in his redeemer. Worldly hope and dreams come with many disguises, dear friends, many guises, even, sadly, with good things. You know, I'm not saying that God God gives us many good things and we, we rejoice and we can hope in these good things, don't get me wrong, but they should never be our primary hope. They should never be what we give our hearts to. And things even like labor and work and toil really can sometimes, we must be very careful, the ability to work, to labor, to toil is a gift from God. God gives us energy and health to, to work, to serve him. But so often the gift can be abused, can it not? And one can become consumed with the gift instead of the giver. Worldly ambition and hope can turn a man into a workaholic, insomuch that his wife and his children, and most importantly, his God, takes a back seat in everything. Remember Solomon. He puts it well in Ecclesiastes 2 when he says, I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. Notice that, he says, I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I did all these things with my hands, with my ingenuity, as it were. And he goes on to say, I made me pools of water to, to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth the fruit trees. In other words, all these things, all this labor I've done, it takes maintaining. The more worldly goods and the more uh, the things we purchase, the, the things of this life, they, they take our time. They take, they take our maintenance, as it were. They start to consume our life. I got me servants and maidservants. I, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were before me in Jerusalem. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of the kings of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men. 
He got him instruments of all sorts. And so I was great, says Solomon, and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. My heart rejoiced in all my labor. Like I said, labor to work hard is a gift, you see. But then Solomon says something quite astounding in verse 11 of Ecclesiastes 2. He says, then, then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. You see, when Solomon took a step back and he saw this glorious kingdom and he saw all the things that he gave his heart to, as it were, he realized that all of his labors in the end would come to nothing. All those worldly things, as it were, they would come to absolutely, they would pale into insignificance. Because like Job, he realized that we come into this world with nothing. And we're going to leave with absolutely nothing. I came into this world naked, screaming and kicking, and we're going to leave. And thither shall I return, as it were. Nothing, any, anything we build up in this life outside of Christ, what, what's going to become of it? It's, it's not going to profit us at all. Only that which is done for Christ in this life is going to last And that really puts things into perspective, doesn't it? That which a man makes his hope, therefore, he will make his business, his work. And he will never ever cease from it until he has obtained it. That of this life or that of the eternal life to come. Proverbs 13, 12 puts it well when it says, Hope deferreth, maketh the heart sick. Those whose hope is bound up, as it were, in this world, over the next, over eternity and Christ, there's a spiritual sickness there, isn't there? And I had this for years. Worldly hope will always disappoint. Promises will always be broken. Dreams and schemes will always be shattered. People will let you down. You'll let down other people. Wars will happen, financial crises and pandemics and plandemics will happen. Loss will come, sickness will come, heartache and pain will come to us all, dear friends. And all those plans that we've made, they'll be disappointed in the end, if if they're done outside of Christ. What will all that worldly hope profit you in the end? What's the end goal? Often we don't look to the end, do we? What's the end of all these things? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his never dying soul? What will it profit us? Many a churchgoer, many a nominal uh, believer, Christian, will tell you that their hope is primarily bound in making this world a better place as it were, in making, in just being a better person, 
a better Christian, just being more a good person, as it were. And you'd be wrong to think that way. Because God's judgment is upon this sin-sick world. God is angry at the wicked every day. God will judge the world in righteousness. And he did so, did he not, in the old world. Remember that, where he judged the world in righteousness, where the hearts of men and women, men and women were evil continually. And God brought the flood upon the old world. And friends, God is coming again soon. He came and he purified the world then with water. And he's coming again soon with fire, an even greater purifier, to usher in the new heavens and the new earth. And friends, only those whose hope is bound up in the Saviour, bound up in Christ, not a worldly hope, not to make this this world some grand utopia only those whose hope is in the world to come who is who are pilgrims down here below who seek a, a city wherein dwelleth righteousness only they will be saved instead of asking what shall i do to obtain such and such a worldly hope such and such a worldly position or such and such a worldly desire What we should be asking for is, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be made right with my God? What must I do to be made holy? Who shall ascend unto the holy hill of the Lord? What manner of person must I become to enter in to a holy, sinless heaven? Such a heavenly seeker, such a heavenly hope and sincere seeker of God's righteousness will never be disappointed. Those, God promises, those who seek shall find. The door, those who knock upon the door, the door shall be open unto them. Well, friends, our text today in Hebrews 6.19 really speaks of this heavenly Hope, this heavenly hope, to all those whose hearts and hopes are fixed upon an eternal happiness, not just a worldly one, not just a temporary one, as it were, who seek that glory and honour and immortality which comes from God through Christ alone. Hebrews 6.19 says, once again, which hope we have as an anchor, of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth in that within the veil. There's quite a lot in that verse, isn't there? It's quite a a packed, doctrinally packed verse. And like worldly hope, earthly hope, heavenly hope is founded upon the one true God's immutable promise, that unchanging promise of salvation through his son through the christ through the savior and of course the covenant of grace made to abraham that that he would give to all those who would believe in christ and in his merits alone they would be given salvation and grace and those who seek salvation through christ alone the promise of god 
and through grace alone, the oath of God, they will have a heavenly hope that is both sure and steadfast and fixed forever by the God that can never lie, that is impossible for God to lie. And such a hope, friends, in today's text is likened to an anchor and our souls are likened to a ship. Ships, like I said, are of a great value. They're made at great cost and friends, your soul, your life, as it were, is of great value. It's of great purpose. An anchor, of course, is vitally important to any mariner. What would a mariner do in the storms of life without an anchor? Of course, we know what would happen in the storms of life. That mariner would probably run, run aground, as it were. That he would be in danger of shipwreck. There would no, be nothing to steady, as it were, the mariner. A believer's hope in the gospel of Christ and in his merits and in his grace is the only sure and fixed anchor of our lives because it takes hold upon the rock, does it not? It takes hold upon Christ, that firm foundation. All worldly hopes are a sinking sand. But you see, dear friends, the, the Christian's hope takes hold by faith upon the rock. An anchor holds to something, doesn't it? which is out of sight. It's out of sight. And by faith, as it were, the believer, the believer cast that anchor upwards, as it were, by faith, to Christ, to the, to the one that died and paid that penalty of sin and rose, as it were, in victory over all of our enemies. And so we're justified. And a believer by faith casts that out as anchor and sees his resurrected Lord. It doesn't hold carnally to that which it sees anymore. It, it's the opposite is true. It, it, it by faith casts its hope, it's all its weight and its hope upon the risen Saviour. An anchor would be of no use without a chain to fasten it, would it? And so to hope without the quickening power of the Holy Spirit giving faith is of no use at all, is it? And when the anchor is rightly cast out into the storms of life with a chain of faith and by the saving power of God's grace, what is it that it takes hold of by faith? What is it? I would advocate that the main thing it takes hold of is the love of God. Is the love of God for a poor wretched sinner like me. That God would so love me that he would send his son into this world and the son would willingly obey the father and live that life of 33 years, a life of suffering and pain, being hated and despised of men and suffer on that cruel cross of Calvary and be punished for all my sins, every single sin. And he would do this out of love for such a hell-deserving sinner like me. And he would be punished, as it were, for every single sin. 
And when that love really strikes home to our hearts, by faith, dear friends, we see, do we not, our risen Saviour? We see that the power of his blood, his blood cleanses us from all sin, that perfect atonement, as it were. We see that promise of his righteousness, that perfect holiness and obedience given to us, as it were, like with Abraham. So when God looks upon us, he doesn't see our failures anymore. He doesn't see our, our track record of sin anymore. He sees the perfect obedience and holiness and righteousness of his son given to us. And when that strikes home by the power of the Holy Spirit to our hearts and we realize that God has so loved me in a personal way that some 2,000 years ago he was suffering on that cross for all of my sins and that truth strikes home to your heart. Dear friends, well then you have a sure anchor, do you not, for your soul as it were. By faith, that, that anchor is not like a worldly anchor that is sure and it is fixed and it is steadfast forever. It reminds me of Psalm 107, 25 through 28. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of all their distresses, as it were. These proud waters of life, these often um, uh, waters that are uh, the waves thereof, uh, making them uh, proud and stirring up strife and, earth, and, and the earth, as it were, where God can still all that, can he not? And bring us into a safe haven uh, if we cry unto him because of all what he's done. Well, mariners' anchors are cast down into the sea. And of course, a believer's anchor is cast upward to the resurrected Saviour, to the one who has conquered all our foes, who has risen. And that means we are justified now, are we not? We are justified in him. We look to a, a risen saviour. Believers can now enter into the veil, as it were, into the holiest of holies. And that's Old Testament language, is it not? And a much of Hebrews really points back to the old and the old to the new. And so... A believer now really can enter into that most holiest of holy, holies where the high priest every year would go into that most sacred holy place beyond the veil as it were and make intercession for God's people. Well now we can do that now, can we not? Because the veil has been rent. Christ has made a way for us to enter into that veil, to know of that perfect atonement, to know of that intercession for us. We can, by sincere repentance and faith, enter into that veil and know of sweet communion with our God. And dear friends, ships are made for a purpose. Never forget that. 
A ship is made for a specific purpose. God has made you and I for a reason. A a reason. And it's not for you to sail away from God in your life. It's not for you, as it were, uh, to be the ship of your own life. He that has made the ship owns the ship. Dear friends, he owns us and we do not own ourselves. If you're sailing away from God, resisting the Holy Spirit, resisting the call of the gospel, surely, dear friends, your soul is in danger of shipwreck and being cast into eternal hell because you're made for a purpose. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must experience that new life which the Holy Spirit wings upon the sails, as it were, that takes you in a new direction in life, that points you to the Saviour, that indwells your heart and your life. You must be born again. You must, your hope must be bound up in Christ and the gospel. If your life is, is, if that is not your main hope in life, you must be born again. You must seek that in life first. No person who ever intended to make a long voyage did ever sit down first and make sure that, that he has the right destination in mind, the right course, as it were, to navigate and the means and the destination to get there. No person ever did that. It would be, you would be a fool, would you not, if you did not sit down on a, on a voyage and make and map out a course with great diligence and great time to make sure that you will reach that end destination. Well, isn't this true of our salvation? To make sure that you have sufficient enough to finish your course, that you have been truly born again, that you have received the Holy Spirit, that your ship has in mind always that main destination, the gospel, to to be in the Lord, to be in glory. You're living exclusively for him. Your, Your hope is not bound up in this world, but in the next world. Well, friends, I hope and pray that this will be all of us here today. This will be your main hope, that your main hope will be in Christ and upon his promises and upon the gospel and it will be no, and it, and you won't have a worldly hope I, I really hope and pray that all of us will know of the quickening power of the holy spirit when we put all our hope and trust in the savior and he promises when we are saved that there is now no condemnation to those that are in christ once we are truly converted nothing can ever take us off track as it were he who saves us justifies us and if we are justified we will be sanctified and if we'll be sanctified we will depend upon him we'll cry to him we'll know of the power of God dwelling within us will we not and so let us dear friends make sure as a reminder that our hope is bound up in the gospel don't be distracted friends Don't be distracted by worldly ideals, worldly things that are happening. We are separated unto the gospel. We are separated to live for the Lord exclusively 
for this. Anything done outside of Christ is going to pale into insignificance. Make sure you're living for the gospel. Make sure that Christ has your heart. That no worldly thing, as it were, takes up and dethrones Christ, as it were. That you're living for him. I hope and pray this is true of all of us. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.com. Dot co.uk